On behalf of Dreamers Empire, we'd like to welcome you to the Recapturing the Future podcast. From computer-driven cars to monorails, from smart houses to floating cities, from spaceports to interstellar travel, in the spirit of the innovative and forward-thinking concepts of the great world's fairs and Walt Disney's experimental prototype community of tomorrow, we cover the technology and exciting concepts of future living. So join us today as we recapture the future. sponsors of the Recapturing the Future podcast is forum software Fusion BB. Fusion BB developers packed Fusion BB with features for both site owners and users to make your community a success right out of the box. Visit us at FusionBB.com. Welcome to Recapturing the Future. This is episode number four, and today we'll complete our three-part series on Epcot. In our first episode, we discussed the very beginning of Epcot and how the Walt Disney Company acquired the land in Florida. In our second episode, we spoke about the Epcot that opened in 1982, specifically the Future World Park and the style of the attractions that it retained into the 90s. In this episode, we'll talk about Epcot today focusing again on the Future World Park and discussing the style contrasted to the Epcot originally planned back in the early 60s. Today we are fortunate to have Mr. Dapps and Drew from Dapps Magic who will take us on a virtual tour of Future World Park of Epcot today. But first, we have a few announcements. In our last episode, we had Josh Pettit join us, a Disney expert and owner of FusionBB.com. We're happy to announce that Josh will now be a regular on our show. Josh, are you sure about this? Yeah, I'm excited about it. (laughs) We are glad to have you. Josh is a good friend and tends to know a little bit more about things than Bob and I. Josh, we'd like to let folks know a little bit more about you. Uh, We all know you're a Disney expert, but you have another pretty big passion, don't you? I sure do. That's that's NASCAR. I'm a big NASCAR fan. So you are living in NASCAR country, aren't you? I am. I'm in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, where uh, many of the NASCAR teams are are based. And uh, your favorite driver is? Jimmy Johnson. Oh, yeah. Favorite of many. Um, have you ever had the opportunity to meet the man? I, uh, in fact, this last weekend, uh, a friend of mine that uh, her husband is a mechanic for the car. We we watched the race from the pits in um, 
Talladega and, and Jimmy actually won and we got to go to, to Victory Lane with him and and uh, and kind of converse with, with him and the rest of the team and, and see the whole celebration. So that was a lot of fun. Oh, nice. Uh, have you ever been to NASCAR, Bob? Uh, no, I haven't. <laughs> Me neither. Is it is it loud? <laughs> it's loud. <laughs> it's obviously a lot of fun. I see these uh, some of these. Uh, what what are the biggest? Um, I don't know if you call them a stadium or a track. What 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 do they seat typically? I mean, some some of the tracks can seat, you know, more than a hundred thousand people. So it's it's kind of like a Super Bowl happening every uh, every weekend. That's amazing. How many how many races have you been to? I've probably been to. More than 20, I think. How many of them have Jimmy won? Oh, probably five or six. Nice. He's, he's five-time champion, so he, he does win a lot. That's unbelievable. You know, I have to say that uh, even though I'm not a NASCAR fan, I'm holding, as we're talking, this radio sitting right next to my computer. It's a Radio Shack NASCAR scanner. Uh-huh. And uh, it's interesting because uh, I, I'm really more interested in aircraft uh, right stuff. So I, I turn it on and I see all these names, and I, I'm realizing I don't know any of these people. <laughs> but I'm sure Jimmy Johnson is in there and his right. crew. <laughs> you know. Josh, let's talk a little bit about your techie career, if I can call it that. You've had a pretty interesting journey. Uh, can you give us kind of the three-minute summary of how you got into programming and and the tech world? Uh, years ago, I, I began working on a, a particular message board software and. And sort of uh, self-taught myself how to modify and, and program different functions and features, and that that sort of led to a little bit of a career of of doing modifications and, and work for for uh, other people that had similar types of websites, yourself included. Mm-hmm. And uh, ultimately, then built my own program, which you guys have talked about, Fusion BB. Um, and then uh, to this day, I still do a variety of different. Um, you know, projects and and things for for clients. So really, anything that they can they can think of that they need, anything from the distance tracker type stuff that your your website's about to uh, shopping carts and and e-commerce sites. I, I'm not sure, but I, I thought at one time I had the distinguished honor of having more custom code than just about anybody. With I I, I think you you probably still hold that honor for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I don't remember. I think you one time told me it was in the hundreds and thousands of lines of code. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> well, Josh, since we're still talking about Disney, uh, of the current attractions that are uh, in the resort, what are your five favorite? Well, that's that's always a tough question because, of course, there's so many and, and I love them all. But probably my favorite, I think I said last time, is Space Mountain. Um, soaring uh, is right up there. Spaceship Earth, just because I think it's the it's the one last throwback to to kind of the original Epcot and the style of what the attractions were like. Um, Splash Mountain, I always I always feel like Splash Mountain tells a real nice uh, nice story. We've given you a little bit of thrill, and then uh, and then I like Tower of Terror if I'm over at the studios. That one looks great. I don't know that I'm brave brave enough to try that one yet. <laughs> You've been on it, haven't you, Bob? <laughs> no, I have not. You're a wise man. (laughs) I'm a a coward. (laughs) (laughs) There is something about the up and down motion of that ride that just does me in. I've been sick sick as I was on Body Wars. (laughs) I I have to tell you, you know, uh, we uh, we get back from vacation like we did, you know, in this last one we went in November uh, with you, Josh, and 
we get home and I think, wow, I'm satisfied. And within about a week and a half, <laughs> we're yeah. already we're all ready to go back. Again. Yeah, when can we go back? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Amazing, Bob. Since we're on that subject, um, how about yours? What are your top five attractions? Well, um, I think uh, I think you know <laughs> my uh, number one favorite is Soren. Uh, now, of course, it used to be Horizons, but I can't say that one anymore because it's closed. Mm-hmm. So uh, Soren is my favorite. Um, and then uh, probably my next one would uh, I like Space Mountain. Space Mountain's really uh, on top there too. But I'd, I'd have to say that that takes second place to Soren. Mm-hmm. So it'd have to be uh, Space Mountain. And uh, and then uh, boy, <laughs> as I think of them, I start to think, well, maybe that's a little bit better. Uh, Test Track, of course, is. Uh, in fact, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say Test Track is my second favorite, and mm-hmm. Space Mountain is my third. I'm going to have to make a change there. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll mark that down. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and mark that down. And uh um I have to say that uh uh even though like you said Josh Space Mountain is uh, or not Space Mountain, uh, Spaceship Earth is somewhat dated. I still like it because it's the dark ride. It's the uh it's really one of the few remaining uh what they call edutainment. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> We're a mixture of uh, education and entertainment. And uh, let's see, did I get all of them or was there one more? I think you need one more. One more. Boy, that's a hard one. Let me think of that one. Um, Okay, I got it. (laughs) TTA. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly. I I, I believe you. You know, there's something... uh, You know, most people... That's just kind of an afterthought to go on that ride, but there's... There's something about just sitting back, uh, relaxing, uh, having a, they they got a really neat area music track going, uh, and you get some. Usually we're there in the evening, and we get some of that nice tropical evening breeze. Uh, yeah, so it sets people, the mood. Sets a great mood. Yep. Yeah, right on. Yeah, I had, on. I hadn't thought of that one. That's that's definitely in my top ten. As you can tell, we're we're just three Disney nuts here. We we love the parks, um, and this isn't a Disney only podcast. There's there's a lot of those, but uh, I will mention my favorite five, which are pretty close to you guys. Soren and Test Track are number one and two, and then Space Mountain I had as three. And I I, I hope this counts fairly, but I did put Illuminations as number four. I I think of it as an attraction. Maybe it's right. Of a mm-hmm. spectacle, but it's. I love illuminations, and then uh, for five, I did put Expedition Everest. Um, oh, good one! Yeah, thrill ride. <laughs> and I and then I couldn't help but put number six because it's one of those l- less mentioned attractions, but Philhar Magic I love. I oh, was yeah. I was thinking Philhar Magic as we were talking, and and it is good. Philhar Magic is really good, but uh, and and also uh, illuminations. Yeah, that's really. <laughs> As you know, my interest in fireworks, that's the top of my list. But, of course, it, you know, I thought of that as uh, more of a show. And it's, a, it's, uh, it's one of my favorites still. If we were making a show list, I bet that's number one on all of our lists. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and, I can't even, and I would say if you had to put who's more passionate about illuminations, hands down, Bob is more than I am. Because uh, I think when we were there two times ago, I think <laughs> you got to it like five times or something. So. Yeah. 
I, I almost feel silly sometimes, like uh, when we were eating at La Hacienda. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm trying to f- practically fix the guy's cash register so I can get out. <laughs> That's right. He, he was a little panicked at that point. It was it was eight fifty nine, and the, the guy's looking at me like something. He, he probably thought, "Oh, the poor guy hasn't seen it yet." No, this is my ninth time. <laughs> yeah, we were only there for we were there for five days or something, right? We'd seen it every day. I've seen it every day. Yeah, Bob is Bob is and his son Eric. They are both extremely passionate about illuminations, and we'll talk about that more sometime. We, you know, it's funny that we haven't really brought up uh, mini cot yet, which. Has got to come up in an episode pretty soon. And of course, we sat at the we sat, we sat at the bridge in the afternoon that they open up to bring the fireworks barges through for over an hour, so we could see the guy bring the, bring the fireworks barges through. So there you go. You guys talked to him too, didn't you? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, cool guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember his his when he said, "I can't believe they pay me to do this." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I cried at that point. <laughs> yeah, he had. The, I think Eric did too, but you know, he turned around because he didn't want anyone to see him. <laughs> um, for our second announcement, it has to do with the format of the show. As we said in episode one, this is a work in progress. You know, we're trying. We're we're new to podcasting, and we wanted to discover what worked best. So we're going to make uh, modifications as we go. And uh, Bob and Josh and I will will cover news of the future. So in the Probably in the first half of the podcast, we'll typically try to touch on what's happening right now, what what fun and exciting things are going on in the news that are tied to the future, whether it's about technology, travel, um, science in, in regards to things that are we, we find exciting. Um, we'll cover those, or modern living, anything that captures that fun and exciting vision of the future that we always uh, enjoyed when we were young and we're trying to recapture. We'll continue with interviews as we have, and starting in our next episode, we're beginning a multi-part series on the future of countries around the world. We really don't know how long this will go, but we'll be looking at the interesting changes and forward-looking efforts going on in countries like China, India, Dubai, Canada, and various parts of Europe, and of course the USA. This could go six or seven episodes, or perhaps we'll go over ten. We don't really know yet, but next episode we're going to Uh, work on a piece for the future of China, and you'll be surprised to hear how this massive country is screaming ahead to the future on many fronts. Also, if you have any suggestions or questions for our show, please send an email to dean at dreamersempire.com. This podcast got pretty long in our ambitious efforts for the new format, so rather than bring you the news of the future segment, we're going to table that for next episode and get right into our interview with Daps Magic. And action! Today we are joined by Mr. Daps and Drew of Daps Magic. Daps was created by a very special group of Disney annual pass holders and Disney fans who had a dream for a place on the internet that people young and old could share their love of Walt Disney and his legacies in a safe and fun atmosphere. Mr. Daps and Drew, thanks so much for taking time to be with us. Well, thanks for having us. Absolutely. Guys, when we when we have started our uh, Disney interviews, uh, our standard Disneyite question is, what is your favorite theme park? your favorite attraction, and your favorite restaurant in Walt Disney World or Disneyland. 
Go ahead, Drew. All right. Well, as far as my favorite park, interestingly enough, it's Epcot. Ah. So that that works out very nicely, I think. Mm, yep. And then um, as far as favorite attraction, I actually am very partial to Expedition Everest at Animal Kingdom. But of course, Spaceship Earth at Epcot holds a very special place in my heart. Absolutely. How and about- uh, restaurant-wise, um, I think I enjoy uh, Le Cellier over in Canada. That's that's a fantastic little steakhouse they have there. Oh man, you 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 may not know this because we we've, we've already recorded the other half. But for Bob and Josh and I, we're all Le Cellier. That's our favorite. There we go. Awesome. <laughs> so, uh, can I break the rules with my answer a little bit? Of course. Okay, well, Disneyland will always be home for me, and, and you know, go there all the time, but my favorite Disney theme park is actually Disneyland Paris. I absolutely love it over there. Oh. And my favorite attraction over there would be Phantom Manor. I think it's just one of the most fun, it's creepy, actually, um, <laughs> attraction. It's just an amazing story, and um, I love all the, the details in it, and... Um, favorite restaurant i think i'd have to go with napa rose over here at disneyland now napa rose did that used to be is that the one that's near the pirates of the caribbean ride or am i wrong no that's that's the blue bayou napa oh, yeah. rose is actually in the grand californian hotel that they uh, built about 10 years 11 years ago now uh just about yeah and uh it's just a very nice comfortable restaurant it doesn't feel too pretentious but it has amazing food okay well, i'll have to take that one up i, I think the last time uh, my brother and I did get out to Disneyland. We did hit the Blue Bayou. I had forgotten the name, and they really—that um, one is kind of expensive now too, if I remember right. They both are, yeah. They both <laughs> are. Okay. <laughs> Napa Rose a little bit more than uh, Blue Bayou, well, quite a bit more than yeah. Blue Bayou, but uh, you definitely don't regret it at the end. <laughs> when I was in, I think it was in the '80s, the early '80s, I went. And I remember eating at the Blue Bayou before they made it fancy, and I remember to get that Monte Cristo sandwich was mm. under ten dollars. So. Oh wow! Oh my gosh! Oh yeah! <laughs> nice. Maybe it's a good thing it isn't anymore because we're still able to breathe and walk upstairs. <laughs> I know it. I know it. It's it's two sides of a coin there. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, I became acquainted with Dapp's Magic last year through a wonderful mutual friend, Kathy, from Disney Royal Ladies. Um, Kathy has been a big encouragement for me to chase my dreams, and she had spoken very highly of Dapp's Magic. Uh, When I checked out your site initially, which was last year, I found a wealth of helpful Disney information and news and some unique things like Mr. Potato Head Adventures. (laughs) How did Dapp's Magic get started, and how long has it been around, and what's it all about? We got started in 2004, and basically I was just looking for information on Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, the first movie I think it was. Um, I don't even remember what exactly I was looking for, but um, I just discovered there was this need for a, you know, a family-friendly, positive uh, group online. And I met a couple other people, and I said, hey, you want to start this? Actually, it was a Yahoo group at the time. And I didn't know what I was doing. I'd never built a website before. And really, I barely knew how to search the internet. And um, I'm a musician, so I knew how to play with Final Cut and different programs like that. Um, so, uh, so I talked to them, and we started up. And within a couple of months, we'd grown quite a bit. And we, I think we had like 100 members. And my little brother, who is a computer guy, said, hey, you need to build a website to go with your Yahoo group. And I'm like, I don't know how to build a website. So we 
we ended up buying a, a, a website or a URL and putting a, a bunch of uh, clip art, Disney clip art up on it. And it basically was just a placeholder to send people to our Yahoo group. And everything since then has kind of just organically happened where somebody will come up with an idea and say, hey, what do you think about this? And, and it's like, okay, we'll try it. Let's go for it. And uh, that's actually where the Mr. Potato Head thing came from. Uh, we had a few people visiting from out of town to Disneyland, and for some reason they decided it would be fun to bring a Mr. Potato Head to the park and take pictures with it. And uh, somebody jokingly said, hey, we should make, make a story out of this. So history was made. Oh, my goodness. Are there, yeah. are there like, YouTube videos? and? Not of Mr. Potato Head. Um, we thought about it, but it's it's a matter of who's going to do it, just because we have so much going on now that it's uh, always kind of like time management and energy management of who can do what. I think some uh, you have some of the photos out there, right? We have a ton of photos. Yeah, yeah each one's kind of um, almost like a children's book. I had one parent write me a few years ago. It was one of my favorite emails I've ever gotten from DAPS. And uh, she said that they actually printed off a few of the stories and they would read it to their little girl at bedtime. And it totally made my day because I was like, wow, people actually read this stuff. <laughs> I didn't know. You know, we do it for the fun of it. And the fact that other people find it fun makes it that much better. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah, my kids are a little too old for that now. But uh, I remember <laughs> when they were getting sick of my stories, I wish I'd have known about this. <laughs> Um, what is the uh, DAPS Magic Geeks Corner? Geeks Corner is a newer, um, it started out as a blog, but it's a newer uh, section of DAPS Magic that we started a couple years ago that allowed us to explore anything geeky, even beyond Disney. Because um, we were discovering so often there were other things that we really were excited about. Um, for example, the upcoming Hobbit movie. Um, most of the people on DAPS are really excited about that, but we didn't have a place to talk about it. So we made Geek's Corner to kind of be a outlet for anything geeky, whether it's Disney or not Disney, um, and expand on all of that stuff. And then from that, we also created a YouTube show that my co-host Johnny Five and I create every week. And uh, most of the time, it's completely improv. We might have a couple notes, and it's usually around 10 minutes most of the time. Mm. And we just talk about geeky things, and we enjoy being geeks. So obviously then the common thread with Disney, you'd have things like Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming Star Wars is pretty big. Star Trek also, yeah. Star Trek, yep, absolutely. We're evenly split there, you know. Yep. <laughs> it's amazing. As a matter of fact, for my uh, my next question here, I was, going, I was going to tell you something that I heard, which I think draws into this really well. I, I once heard they did a study to find the most common characteristics of a man who stays with his family the longest. And they had these top five qualities, and most of them you would expect, like they were somebody who attended church regularly. Uh -huh. One of the five qualities that surprised me, and I'm sure everyone else, was that they had a love of Disney. <laughs> nice. Interesting. Isn't that something? So there's some reason why Disney seems to appeal to strong family values and something draws you. Yep. And what I noticed about DAPS and what I thought really made it stand out from some of the other Disney um websites was its commitment to some great core values like positivity, which I, I like is that a real word? I like it. And uh I don't know, I heard it at church, so I figured it's okay. <laughs> I think it's, it sounds like a Sherman brothers word to me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Respect, family 
friendly, integrity, those those things, uh, you know, we love that too. So, um, and, I, and I haven't necessarily seen that kind of commitment, though I, I get a lot of it from other Disney sites. But what do you, why do you stress those values? I think it's important to be uh, very upfront about what, what you're for. Mm-hmm. Uh, we live in a world where so often you hear what you're against. And, you know, just the very fact that you're against something will often create an emotional response of defensiveness and um, defensiveness is the best word. When you're for something, it's immediately more positive and it also sets that expectation of we expect you to be respectful, we expect you to be positive, we expect you to be family friendly. And so we really never have problems with um, people not being that way. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're very upfront of, you know, we want to be a happy, fun, family-friendly website, and if you don't want that, that's okay. There's somewhere else for you. And it's it's just made it a lot easier because we're clearly defined about what we are and what we do. People know DAP's magic now. I mean, you guys, actually, you've been around longer than a lot of the... Um a lot of the other Disney efforts that I've seen. So I'm assuming that you haven't, every experience hasn't been always positive or, <laughs> or uh, full of integrity. Uh, uh, I, I don't want you to have to expose anything, but have there, have there been times where it's been tough to, to deal with people who are bringing in that negativity? Oh, there's always ups and downs with everybody. And, you know, you, you kind of have to, uh, step back and and look at the bigger picture and see what their motivation are you know everybody's entitled to a bad day or a bad week you know nobody's perfect and um you you kind of i guess you set your boundaries and if they want to live by the boundaries that's great and if not that's you know their choice also and so we've generally dealt with things by focusing on the positive anyway mm-hmm. and and just keep moving forward and looking forward and that tends to handle things um we've been pretty blessed knock on wood for uh, not having any huge issues of negativity through the years well i think the fact that it stands out at your site is very helpful i think other people probably just hope it will stay that way and then you end up dealing with things so i think that probably was was really good to put that at the top of your about page thank you yeah Uh, all right, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Epcot. Um, two episodes ago, we talked about Walt's original plans for Epcot, um, and I'd like to get both of your feelings on on how you feel the Epcot today differs from the Epcot that Walt planned. Uh, Drew, let me start with you. Um, what what are your thoughts about uh, the way uh, Epcot has turned out in contrast with what they planned in the early '60s? Well, obviously, it's changed a bit not being the city. <laughs> um, Number one. Just just a slight change there. <laughs> um, well, it's. I feel that they're, the core of what Epcot is is still there. It's still, again, like we were talking about, it's still positivity. It's still, we are kind of looking towards the future. We are kind of reflecting on the good things of the past. Um, there's still a, just a sense of hopefulness around the park, which is uh, the main thing that I love about it is just the positivity and the the hopefulness that, yeah. that just resonates through the park, regardless of attractions or exhibits or whether or not there are characters in the park. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, speaking of characters, and I, and I, I got a sidetrack here because I was going to put. What do you think about Duffy coming? Um, I don't really have a preference one way or another. I got my picture taken with him, but sure. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I it's kind of a good gateway for kids. Um, I know they used to do the the uh, kid cot stations around the park or around the uh, World Showcase. I'm sorry, with you know, oh, get this mask made, and now it's kind of more Duffy-centric. So I think it may uh, make it a little more interesting for some of our uh, smaller friends to kind of enjoy World Showcase a, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you nailed it, and I really have to be careful because there is this cynical side of me. I saw, you know, I saw Duffy, I, you know, I, I just didn't get as excited, but kids, you know, and I know it's, if, if I'm not mistaken, isn't it big over in Japan or something? I know It's huge, huge over there. Yeah. We, yeah. we in fact have a uh, friend that lived over there for a while and he brought us back for Christmas. Uh, Duffy and, uh, is it Shelly May? Is that I believe the so, girl yeah. version? Ah. Um, brought us those from Japan and, it, you know, it's really cool. I think they have more of an emotional attachment over there also than, than we do here, um, <laughs> just because we aren't as acquainted with him. Well, we grew up with Mickey and Donald and everything over here, and I don't necessarily think that with the park over there opening significantly later than, you know, Disneyland and Disney World over here, maybe they're more open to kind of newer type experiences. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, you... uh... You definitely nailed some things, Drew, that um, I think uh, as uh, Bob and Josh and I have talked about Epcot that uh, we left out, which was Epcot really has maintained that positive and and just the possibility realm of, of, of that park open where, you know, uh, yes, it's not a city, as you say, and it's, it's certainly maybe pales in, in some ways to the original plans, but... Um, by far, it's still my favorite park, as I know it's yours. And uh, let, yeah, and Mr. Daps, let me go over to you on that. Um, any additional thoughts about um, Epcot today in contrast to that? I completely agree with him on what he said, and I'd also add in I really like how it models the global community. Mm-hmm. As you know, you just go everywhere new, you're finding somebody from a different part of the world, and they're all working together and. I just had so many fascinating conversations when we were there. And, you know, it was just going back to that model thing. It's an incredible model of what could be. Yeah. And uh, that positive future. That's that's really well said. And and that's why I certainly, yeah, we, we like we've said before, we've lo- we would have loved to have seen that Epcot that they planned. What would that have been like? It certainly was intriguing. But, yes, it still retains that. And... And I, I feel I always feel like I'm breathing easier when I'm in Epcot as opposed to Magic Kingdom. I love Magic Kingdom, but there's just something spacious and, and big about it. Absolutely. Very much so. <laughs> um, I've definitely um, got a few uh, years on you guys, but when was your first trip to Epcot, and what do you remember? And let me start with you, Mr. Daps, on that. I actually have only been there on one trip, and that was two and a half years ago. And I remember walking in and actually the thing I remember the most is walking out and seeing the water, just that huge expanse of water in the middle mm-hmm. and just how big, you know, it, it's just baffling. And, um, and then my second thought was we've been walking for a few days, like we're going to walk around that. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, yeah, that really jumped out at me and spaceship earth. I, 
I just don't think there's any better way to start a day at a Disney park, really, than Spaceship Earth. It's it just blows you away. Oh yeah, yeah. Still one of their um, best dark ride attractions. Oh yeah. Um, Drew, when were you there last? When I was there last, actually, this past January. Oh, and I'm sorry, and I I, I did say that wrong. When were you there first? When I was first, it was actually uh, in 1987. I oh. was uh, five, so I don't. Um, I have a few like uh, sporadic memories. I actually do remember going into Horizons. You do. Uh, I, I do remember that. For some reason, that stuck with my small self mm. and resonated. We do, we do miss that today for sure. Oh, absolutely. You know, to to remember it says something about Horizons, which. If it, you know, if we were to put a, a favorite all time, it's definitely a Horizons for us, and I know a lot of people uh, haven't gotten to see that. But you remember it at age five. I do. Yeah, I I just remember going in and getting into the vehicle and mm. going through. It was it was fantastic. Oh yeah, Not, nothing like it. And uh, you know, and I'll probably say it later when we do our virtual tour. But that is one attraction that I wish. Now I've heard different rumors too. I've heard that uh, they actually had to dig up that attraction and and they've had some they had some land issues some sinking issues if i'm not mistaken uh tied to that ride i haven't heard that but i would not be surprised with the water table and everything in florida i know that's kind of affected a lot of the the design of at least the magic kingdom and so one would reason that epcot as well yeah yeah i'm kind of surprised you know and why it didn't affect uh the test track attraction and so forth is kind of interesting yeah maybe they were able to shore it up a little bit or yeah, and, and Spaceship Earth is cool, but uh, we'll, we'll come back to that. Um, I'd like to tap you guys just on, on tips. Um, what, what do you like to tell people that, are, that come to Daps Magic and they're planning on a trip to Epcot? What would you tell them they absolutely have to see? How, how would you do Epcot? What kinds of advice would you give them uh, for somebody not so familiar with Epcot? And I'll start with uh, Drew on that. Sure. Uh, what I would do is actually one of the key components is time. Give yourself lots of time because you look at it and you say, you know, oh, well, there's X number of attractions. And so we can probably get through that in maybe a day, day and a half. And then you don't realize that once you get through with Future World, boy, when you get over to World Showcase, you're going to want a lot of time there. There's a lot of little corners, little shops that are so unique. And of course, the eating. You know, you, you want to dedicate a lot of time to be able to uh, taste your way across the world. <laughs> well said. You could plan a whole vacation around eating at Epcot. Oh, I think I have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Mr. Daps? You know, I would go in. It's something I say commonly for just about any Disney theme park is go in without too much of an agenda and go in expecting an adventure. Uh, there were so many different little things that you never really expect to find, especially at Epcot that you don't find at other uh, theme parks, that just make it so rich of an experience. Um, the Norway Pavilion jumps oh, yeah. out at me. Like, you're walking by, you don't realize what's back there, and that became kind of our one of our favorite adventures that we made out of it. And um, um, just the unexpected things. I remember there was, I think it was in Norway, there's this like hallway with little um, out in front in the building, and it's just a photo location. I think basically that you know you can walk up and get photos around. And we had the greatest time taking funny photos in this little hallway sure. with with open arches basically in front of it. And I think we were there for a good half an hour 
what kind of funny pictures can we take? And, you know, it's just enjoying what they have to offer through all the details. And we had a blast going around and seeing all the characters. I mean, it amazed me how many characters were at Epcot. Absolutely. Yeah, there's just so many different things you don't expect to find there. You know, so expect the unexpected. That's really good advice. When we were there two times ago, my brother um, just de- dedicated a whole day to taking pictures at Epcot and really got some nice nice pictures. Um, and finally, I'll just ask, do you have any other tidbits uh, of information about Epcot that the average tourist might not know or find istri- interesting? And if you, if you do, great. If, if you don't, fine too. Well, I know for me, we discovered the hard way. Uh, be prepared for the weather to change at night. Mm. Um, it got a lot colder by the time the evening came around. We were there in, I think, February, beginning of February. It was very comfortable during the day, but in the evening, we were frozen and uh, layering like crazy and still freezing. So I would just be prepared for what the weather has to offer there. Now, you're talking to guys who are from Minnesota. So when you say cold, you're not you're, you're thinking something like in the well, 40s actually, or 50s. I'll, I'll counter that for you because <laughs> I actually grew up in Duluth, Minnesota. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, you got um, me. No, it, was more of, it was more of the change throughout the day where it was, you know, up in the 70s in by the peak of the day. And then I remember one morning we woke up and it was 27 degrees and it was just that like, we were expecting 70s all week, so we had T-shirts and very light, you know, Ooh. windbreakers. And when it's around 30, that's just not very comfortable. Oh, that is cold for there. Yeah. So and I don't know if that's normal, but that was. If you go in in January, February, just be careful. Be ready, absolutely. I have to say, every time I've sat there for illuminations, for whatever reason, no, I can't say that every time, but almost every time, it's been beautiful and perfect, and you know, 70 light breeze. Been pretty lucky. I'm going with you next time then. Yeah. <laughs> Real trip, uh, right? I hope uh-huh. it works that way. Uh, and I'll, yes. I'll, I'll throw this in. My, my, my mom's family is all from Proctor. So if you're from Duluth, you know Proctor, right? Oh, my gosh. That was my high school. Oh, you're kidding. I, I graduated from Proctor High School. Oh, that is that's 1989. amazing. Small world. Yeah, that is small world. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Drew. Yeah. Nice segue. <laughs> Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Now let's take a virtual tour of Epcot, like we did in our last episode, except now we're touring Epcot today. We've just gotten off the monorail, and as we enter the park, we run into the landmark of Epcot, Spaceship Earth. I guess I'd like to let you guys grab the microphone and tell us your thoughts and anything you care to share. But let me throw this in. What do you think of the most recent updates to Spaceship Earth? Well, I actually enjoy them. Um, I know a lot of people are kind of down on the oversimplification of the narration. But again, I think that makes it a little more accessible for people. And, you know, Judy Dench's voice is outstanding. Okay, that was the name we couldn't think of last episode. Oh, there we go. Yeah, Dame Judy Dench. Ah, uh, yeah, right, right. Okay, good point. And uh, so you like the like the com- the the Steve Jobs um, computer area? That that was kind of a nice addition, I thought. Yeah, I think you know, communications is something that's ever changing, and that's probably the most recent, most relevant thing to put in there. So I think it would be an incomplete uh, attraction if they left it out. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, how about you, Mr. Dafson? And I, I really want to get at least one of your comments on the final descent. What do you think of the um, of that part? You know, um, I had I I'm trying to think of what I really thought about it uh, at the time. Um, I had I really enjoyed hearing Judy Dench. Um, I'm a huge James Bond fan, so mm. it's like, ooh, M's our, you know, our host, <laughs> our narrator, and um, I thought the the descent was actually kind of fun in and going into that room afterwards and, and getting your picture and everything and uh, playing with it. I don't have anything to compare it with from what it was before. So, um, you know, maybe Drew can add a little bit to it, but I really, I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I enjoyed the star field and the other things that were there before, but again, it gives you kind of something to do on the, on the descent and it, it's just kind of a fun little thing to do, and then you can see it at the end, you know, your your goofy face in a house underwater or whatever. Yeah, we definitely took a lot of pictures of those. Absolutely. In fact, I think we went on it several times just so we could take more goofy pictures. Because uh, then we discovered we could be making faces. I mean, the first time you don't know anything. And, uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, this is what we can do. Whoops. <laughs> There's got to be a few combinations you can do with that thing. Oh, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I love I love the um the software and everything. I um but you you mentioned what did you call it Drew the star the starfield? The starfields? Yeah. I I remember it so well. I've never had a name to put on it. Now I do. I appreciate that, but to me that was that that was cooler. I like that a little bit more. I mean, it was it was gorgeous and I still like um on the initial descent when you can kind of see the earth. I still think that's one of the best best views you can find in, in any of the parks in the in an attraction. Yeah, that was cool. Absolutely. You nailed it for me. That that is uh and, and so I obviously I'm very glad that they've kept Spaceship Earth mostly you know what it is. Uh, the descent we can complain a little bit about, but it's it's still pretty cool. Now as we exit Spaceship Earth and turn to the right, we'll run into what used to be called Communicore and is now called Innoventions. Now I am embarrassed to admit, but I've maybe walked through it once and I've never done anything in it. Uh, first off, um, what is the theme or purpose of Innoventions? The, what is it designed to be or what is it actually? Because I think those may be two separate things. That, that's probably what I'm after here is, do you? because I was going to ask later on, do you think it's it's kind of the the purpose of, of what Communicore, which was kind of a, oh, technology, futuristic right. kind of driven? And I, I wouldn't say that that's necessarily what it is now, but okay, so I let's, would, yeah, go ahead. I'd agree with you there. Okay. Yeah, it seems like it's a lot of companies that are kind of, showcasing their newer uh products but not necessarily you know oh what's the cutting edge in communications or computer software or anything like that it's i mean it's fun it's kind of a nice diversion plus the air conditioning on a hot summer day is always a good thing um when i was there on my last trip we actually spent a little bit of time in there and um did uh, a few things the great piggy bank adventure and which teaches you how to save money for your dream vacation and all that fun stuff. Huh. Um, we actually didn't get a chance to do what's what seems like it's kind of the jewel of interventions these days, the uh, sum of all thrills. The right. line for that just always seems so very long. Yeah. But one of these days, I'd definitely like to uh, give that a whirl, build my own uh, roller coaster and see what I can do there. 
Oh, I w- I've watched that thing, and there is no way I'm getting on that thing. <laughs> Unless they, they have a roller coaster design that basically doesn't go up or down or turn. I think it's called the parking lot tram. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> That's a good one, yeah. yeah. Get a little cold on it sometimes, so. <laughs> Uh, how about you, Mr. Dabs? Have, when you were there uh, a few years ago, did you get a chance to visit Interventions? You know, we didn't spend a whole lot of time there. We kind of went in and out also. Um, I would have to agree, it seemed more almost like a, I guess, a science fair, mm-hmm. uh, for lack of a better term, where it seemed like I could go into a really cool electronics boutique store and find many of the same things that they had here or... You know, go to my buddy's house who has the most updated game system and find similar things. So it really just didn't capture my attention the same way as other things did. Hmm. Um, I think if I didn't have access to all those things, I think it's awesome. Yeah. Um, I think it just kind of proved how spoiled we are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, it almost seems like it's what, what iTunes calls the deeper cuts where, you know, you've been in the park a hundred times and you're looking for something new to do so hey let's go and poke around interventions but maybe not for a first second third time visitor they'd rather be out in the pavilions or the countries exploring those but when you you know you spent enough time maybe interventions is kind of just a deeper for for the people who are there more more regularly would it be fair to say that uh, you guys, uh, as representatives of DAPS Magic, would would suggest to the the folks at Disney to consider redoing Innoventions, or do you think that's uh, think that's a reasonable request? I would constantly be moving forward to see what you can do to make it better. I th- um, yeah, you know it's it's got some good ideas and it's got a good. Um, and the basic premise of it is a great idea. I would just see what you can do to really take that to the, you know, better than anybody else can do. I agree. I, I just think it's the one area. And, and on our last episode, we, we all kind of agreed that Communicore kept to the theming of Future World Park a little bit better than Innoventions does. And I think, you know, as you say, you could probably swap in and out different kinds of things like um, you know, just uh, I'd, I'd be interested to see something about the more about the iPhone and the you know the Apple technology or, or something like that. And I think they could make it a little more interactive and fun that way. I agree a hundred percent on that. I mean, Communicore that was the first time a lot of people at the time had a view of computers, you know, and were able to go up and make their reservations at the restaurants via computer. And how futuristic is that? And now. You know, there's not really anything that's as quite cutting edge as, as that was. Yeah, that was also, that was always a fun part. It's also a trick to be cutting edge, I think, now more than it was oh, yeah. 20, 30 years ago. Just because, you know, things are changing overnight. You buy a computer and two months later it's obsolete. And and it's it's how do you keep the dream of, of being cutting edge alive in an era where cutting edge changes daily almost. Absolutely. And so I don't really know what the answer is for that. You know, if I were the executive in charge of, of coming up with new ideas for something like this, I would, I don't envy that guy. <laughs> no, no. It's just, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, what would I put in there? It's like, I have no clue. You know, like the total geek side of me is like, figure out a way to make a real Star Trek beaming thing. <laughs> 
you know, <laughs> beam things from one side of the room to the other, and that would blow me away. <laughs> but science just does still come in at some point. Yeah, I guess. Realism, whatever. Mm, you know. It's yeah, maybe that's true, and I think it's going to be a topic for a future episode for us, where we really, uh, Josh brought this up in the last episode, where when you make a, a part as big and uh, as expensive as Epcot, and you're fo- focused on the future, eventually the future catches up with you. So exactly, yeah. yep. How do you how do you keep moving? And there's, I gotta believe there's answers, and I gotta believe if Walt was here, he might have had those answers. Um, okay, so now in the last episode, we kind of headed off to the right. Uh, I'm going to do it opposite this uh, episode, and we're going to head off to the left. And we're going to head over to Universe of Energy, which is essentially the same ride, but they changed it from the initial years. What are your thoughts? Um, I'll start with you, Mr. Depps, about uh, Ellen and, oh boy, Bill Nye, the science guy. Am I right? Oh, Bill Nye, <laughs> absolutely. And Alex Trebek, you can't forget him. Oh, that's right. What do you think? What are your thoughts? You know, I really, uh, I'm thoughtless. I don't know. It's it's one of those things too, where I don't know what to compare it with. Just, you know, when it's all you've ever known, you're you're like, oh, this is great. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, you know, it's it's entertaining. It's air conditioning. It's Mm. um, not my favorite thing in the world, but I don't have any concrete complaints either. Yeah, it's. I, I always fall asleep on that ri- ride. I, I guess I've been on it too many times, but it is a long <laughs> ride. Mm-hmm. Um, how about you, Drew? I actually, I really enjoy it. Um, I think it's a lot of fun. And again, to go back to the theme of Epcot Center, um, it's talking about energy, which of course is actually a very hot topic these days, but mm-hmm. it does it so even-handedly. Mm-hmm. Um, it talks about, hey, you know, ideally wind power, solar power, these kind of things. However, if you actually do that, that might not work. It's very even-handed with with a very sensitive subject. And I think they do it very well. And I find it kind of entertaining. And of course, who doesn't love going and seeing big dinosaurs? You know, I'm still probably that five-year-old kid in 1987. (laughs) That is definitely true. And it's a little less intimidating than the dinosaur attraction at Animal Kingdom, isn't it? Absolutely. (laughs) These dinosaurs aren't coming after me, so that works. Well, you you touched on something that I hadn't thought of, uh, but um, I I do love the the different kinds of energy uh, they talked about. I remember most specifically in my head all the... um, Oh gosh! When I, you know, the reflection, the 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 mirror things. Oh yeah, right at the entrance. Sure. Right, and so, so then my question for Josh and Bob on our last trip was, um, okay, this this has been a part of this uh, film ever since I've been here. Where you know, where are we at with these kinds of technologies? Have they really proved to be the energy uh, solution that they were they were touting years ago or are they just nice thoughts and and you know to be honest with you i don't know that i'd have an answer right i mean i know that they have the solar collectors on the roof Mm -hmm. you know to kind of enhance the the theme but as far as fossil fuels and those kind of things i mean we have the electric cars or hybrid cars i'm sorry but i don't know if we've quite gotten to the point where we can completely rely on alternative sources of energy but again you keep looking to the future you keep staying hopeful and well maybe 
next week we're going to get that big breakthrough that'll make it possible to uh, have a solar-powered car. Mission Space is an attraction that I've been a little critical of because of my love for Horizons. And uh, Drew, you said you got to see it when you were five years old, and it's pretty interesting sure. that you remember it. But I'd like to get your thoughts on Mission Space and uh, if you think it's a must-see attraction and, uh, and why, and what do you think folks get from that attraction? I'll start with you, Mr. Dabbs. If is, is it a must-see attraction? Yeah. Um, I don't know that it's a must-see attraction. It's a really good attraction. Um, for me personally, I thought it was an amazing experience. The one part I had a hard time with was the claustrophobia thing. Mm. Um, I didn't like having that right in front of my face. And as much as I was trying to focus through the window, um, I really had a hard time being that confined. Mm -hmm. um, but it was... It's a really cool, it's kind of an updated, uh, when I was a kid at Disneyland, they had, was it Mission to Mars? Yeah. Yep. And it's kind of like a modern Mission to Mars, and uh, I thought it was really cool. Um, yeah, it blew me away. But yeah, I don't know if it's a must-see, because, you know, I wouldn't necessarily take little kids on it, or, yeah. you know. Right. You know, when I was in grade school, it would have been way too intense for me, I'm sure. Um, I think it was just really well done. I, I just, going back to that must-see, I don't know if I would call it a must-see um right did you did you do the green or orange we did both oh you did so you and you... it really didn't matter it was more of this the claustrophobia more than the movement like right? yeah for me the claustrophobia thing was a much bigger thing to overcome okay um and i agree that the first time that thing shut on me i was kind of like oh boy i you know it was like it kind of took my breath away for a second mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of small spaces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, there is no doubt I am never going on. Is it the orange one that spins for real? I don't remember now. I, I believe it's the I want to uh, green, but let me yeah. double check on that. Okay, I'm I'm guessing it's the orange. My, my my recollection is because I played a little joke on my brother and he and I <laughs> We um, we cannot handle that kind of stuff. We're literally, we'll, it would wreck the rest of our day. We'd be well anyway. Um, so we we got in, went through the the which I think it was the green that's the non-spinning. And yeah, yes, right. it is. Yeah, we just we just looked that up. Okay, and we got all buckled in, and you know you get that little sense of claustrophobia. And then I noticed just funny that all the uh, the paneling and stuff in front of us was orange. So I I just got a great look on my face and I said oh my gosh we're on the orange one look <laughs> <laughs> I tell you his eyes it was worth nice guy yeah, it was perfect. <laughs> yeah it was fun um how about you Drew uh what are your thoughts on mission space again um echoing what Mr. Daps was saying it is I think as far as attractions I think it's fantastic I think it's very well done um but as far as a must see if I were you know somebody had half a day and they had to see the essence of Epcot Center, I don't necessarily think Mission Space would be the first uh, direction I would point them, but I don't have any direct complaints about it either. Mm -hmm. um, I think Imagineering did a, a very nice job with it, which which is uh, difficult to do on an attraction of that type. So I think they did a, a very good job. Right. I think the thing that's interesting to me as I'm listening to us talk is um, you can have an intense, intense ride that's a must-see. I'm thinking of um, Expedition Everest sure. over in Animal Kingdom. And that's Tower a of Terror. Tower oh. of Terror. And those are more intense rides, and I would say they're must-see. 
Um, and I'm not sure what the difference is as I'm sitting here thinking about it, but there was something different that really compels me that, you know, I'm going to go on Expedition Everest every time I'm there. Uh-huh. Mission Space, I'll probably catch every other time, you know? Sure. And and I'm not sure if that's... I don't know why that is. Do you- uh, maybe, maybe it's because there are so many sort of headliner must-see attractions in Epcot already, whereas... Be. You know, it being not necessarily a must-see in Epcot would be in a different park. That's possible. Mm, good point. Test Track is next. Um, what can you guys tell people about Test Track, and uh, do you like it, and why do you like it? Uh, let's go with you, Drew. I really enjoy Test Track. I mean... I don't know necessarily what's so futuristic about it, um, but to go maybe with the educational theme, you do kind of see how cars are put together, how they get tested and everything. And, you know, going out there on that embankment at 60 miles an hour, there's, there's certainly a rush about that that makes it makes it a blast. And everybody likes fast cars. Come on. Absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it's the one ride you could say is a thrill ride, but I'd say most people can handle it. Right. Yeah. As opposed to Mission Space, where you kind of have more of a, a divide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and you're right. When you're walking through that line queue, um, you really do. I mean, if you've been on it probably as many times as you and I have been on it, it's you're just wanting to get through that line. But the first few times, you do get to see a lot of uh, a lot of the uh, activity behind t- test dummies and and that sort of thing. Sure, and even. Uh... If you want to play nostalgia, there's even some of the uh, vehicles from World of Motion at the very beginning. So you can maybe see some old friends. Really? Yes. Huh. Yeah, when you first go in and they show some of the older style of uh, vehicles. Another learning for the night. Okay. I, I... That's why we have Drew. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved World of Motion, too. And that's one where I would be, It's I'm in between on that one. I'd, I I love Test Track a lot. I loved World of Motion, but uh, I wish they had both. I think that's go. where you take a big sigh and you go, progress. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, did we get your thoughts on, on that, Mr. Depps? On, uh, I think you covered it pretty well. All right, now we're going to venture over to the other side of Future World Park, and I wanted to get your thoughts on Captain EO since it just recently returned. Um, my first trip to Epcot back in the uh, mid to late 80s included Captain EO, and, and truthfully, I was pretty blown away by the 3D effects, and then Michael Jackson was really at the top of his game back then. Um, how do you think the attraction is doing uh, since its return last year, and do you think, like, for instance, kids who didn't know Michael Jackson, what do you think they think about it? And I'll start with you, Mr. Daps. That's a good question. Um, I've enjoyed We haven't gone on it. I don't think you haven't been on it there since it reopened, have you? I have not. We not both, there. We both experienced it out here at Disneyland and Tomorrowland. And for me, it's kind of that nostalgia factor when you go and see Captain EO where it's... Um, I don't think there's anything in it that blows me away from the future and makes me think, you know, 
really cool effect or something, but it's it's that um, it's a simple story. It's it's good coming good over evil, evil yeah. and in good triumphing. So I think everybody can appreciate that at some level. And the music's fun, and yeah, I think all ages would enjoy it. I agree, and there's a lot of, again, characters that I think kids can relate to, uh, relate to attach to, you know, yeah. EO and IO and, you know, Pooter and all those good things, you know, they're fun. And I think, yeah, it's a simple story, good versus evil. Yeah. And good wins, so that's always a plus. That It helps, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And bouncing seats. What's yeah? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I have not been to it at Disneyland, so I, I can't speak to that. Um, is it is it pretty much the same kind of auditorium and and, and everything? Yes, right. Okay. Yeah, they retrofitted the old Honey Auditorium like they did in Walt Disney World. So okay, uh, yeah. Again, I, I agree. It's it's definitely got the nostalgia. It's got a good message. Um, I know my kids, for instance, and they're about 13, 11, and 10, would say, oh, that was corny and stuff, but I think <laughs> they would get a, a kick out of part of it. Water dances where visions begin. Science reveals the life within. Um, now, the next attraction, which I, I'm either going to, if you guys have comments on it, fine, or else you can pass right on over it, is the Journey to Imagination um, uh, with Figment. Um, any thoughts about that? Well, I think we have lots of thoughts. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Drew, absolutely. Drew, go ahead, because you're the one with the thoughts, I think. First and foremost, I love Figment. Oh, Let's huh? just lay that out on the line. I adore Figment. Huh? Um, yeah, he's probably... One of my favorite Disney characters, for sure. And I like the fact that in the latest incarnation, he's back. Um, when I first remember experiencing it, I don't remember it from that uh, the five-year-old trip, but um, I remember when I was a junior in high school, we went out and it was the figmentless version. And that just seemed like a non-event, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> ironic. Um, <laughs> but... Now that he's back, I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's great seeing him back because I think in a grand scheme of things, he is Epcot Center. Yeah. You know, with the sense of wonder, the the joy, he represents all of the best of Epcot Center. And to not have him there, I think, is a disservice to um, people who experienced the original Epcot Center back in the 80s and to kids today who would get a kick out of you know, that cute little purple dinosaur, or dragon. Mm-hmm. And I'd add to that, too. He's the personification of Epcot. Um, mm-hmm. you know, going in that, that was, I think it was the second attraction we hit in the morning the first day we were at Epcot. And that was kind of, you know, watching him was like, I get it. That was mm-hmm. that. This mm-hmm. is what it's about. And, and he's just got that attitude. You know, he's a little troublemaker. And, but he's, coming up with great ideas you know it almost reminds me of old school mickey um yeah and i i thought it was a fun little attraction in all honesty absolutely um, well you're causing me to reconsider my some of my uh, <laughs> <laughs> i uh, i now now i i liked 
Uh, well, the original uh, Journey into Imagination, which you, I guess you would have been about five then, Drew, um, I, st- I still think that was the best designed one. And it, oh, and sure. Yeah, I've seen old videos and everything of that, and sure. Yeah. I mean, th- there were some moments in that that were good. And, of course, the advantage is um, it's an easy ride to get on. But um, I'll go along with that. I certainly would rather have Figment as um, sort of the central character of Epcot than, than Duffy. well i think too it's always interesting coming from uh we'll call you a local just because you get to go to walt disney world more than we do Mm -hmm. um it's always interesting hearing perspectives from the people that get to see something regularly versus the people who don't and right you see it maybe once a year at best right and we hear this all the time at disneyland with people that are there you know all the time versus people that are coming from you know say minnesota and it's really interesting because Disney has to keep that balance of keeping both groups happy. Um, you know, that's part of their business model, I'm sure. Yeah. And I'm sure this figment is a prime example of that where, you know, if you don't have any of that um, history with them and you're just showing up and you're discovering what Epcot is about for your first time, you know, that's probably going to mean a lot more to you than someone who's been around going for 20 years and has seen all the different incarnations of Figment and the park itself and can remember what it was before and have that, um, even that emotional connection with what was past um, that, you know, a newbie just doesn't have. Hmm. Well, there you go. I'm going to have to bow at, uh, at, at that. I, I, uh, you're, you're opening up my uh, new horizons for me here. <laughs> Glad we can do that. Absolutely. <laughs> go on to definitely my favorite current attraction at all of Walt Disney World, which is Soren. And um, I promise to try to button my lips before I gush out with anything I think about Soren. <laughs> but uh, tell us what your guys' thought, and I'll start with you, Mr. Daps, about Soren. And um, assuming that you like the ride, what what do you think makes it so special? It's an amazing attraction. Um, I don't know how you could complain about it. It's just a completely um, unique experience, and and it really is immersive. And I just, you know, I could only say nice things about it because it really mm-hmm. blows you away. Um, you know, just uh, it takes you on a journey, and I think a good attraction and a good story does take you on a journey where you walk away going. Um, I mean, it changes you in some ways because you have a new appreciation for, you know, the whole experience. I'm sure you guys have been on it at times where it's, it kind of depends on the crowd, but there's just sometimes when you're with the right crowd of people where that's the feeling you get from everyone. Like, wow. Yeah, that the rush. and the awes. Yeah, and that yeah. rush. Clap. Every sensation. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> it smells like oranges, you know. <laughs> Pine trees. Absolutely. Yeah, and I have been on it in both uh, California and Florida, and, and they're equally equally wonderful. So, Drew, I assume you, you feel... Uh, I'm going to echo exactly what Mr. Daps was saying. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I don't know if you guys, uh, I don't know if we, we didn't get a chance to talk about this, but my brother and I um, did some backyard imagineering a couple of years ago and 
created what we called Minicot, where we had our own, we designed our own Soren attraction. Cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, if you ever get a chance, uh, and I'll, for any of you listeners out there, go out to YouTube and type in Minicot, and you'll find three videos that we put out. Uh, what we did was we we created our own Soren, and I'm sure you're kind of wondering, well, how did you do that? Well, just go check it out. And we did uh, Illuminations, which uh, my brother and his sons were doing that already, and so we added it to that. It was a 4th of July celebration. And then we also did, um, we, we created on their deck sort of the Mexico feel, so we piped in all the Mexico music and had a, oh, wow. a fiesta and all that. That so, sounds outstanding. It took four months, and uh, oh we haven't gotten the wherewithal to do it again. <laughs> wow. But the cool thing That's about the Soren video, <laughs> I got to give my brother credit for the Soren and his son uh, the credit for they we created all new footage for for Soren. So you'll see how we got people up on a, on a swing like ride. And we created a huge screen right in front of them so that they got that experience. But we used all new footage, and uh, we've had a lot of people comment that uh, why doesn't Disney consider putting new footage in Soren? And um, I was going to ask you if you had any thoughts about that. Do you think the, the the current footage is just so good you'd never want to see anything else, or would you like to see them kind of venture into some new uh, video? Oh. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> especially with the success of the Disney nature films. I mean, they're proving that they can do oh, yeah. more uh, uh, things, more stylized like that, more natural type things. So I'd love to see what what else they would have and see other perspectives, you know, throughout the country and the world. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you got to love Yosemite and Malibu and all that good stuff that they do have. So it's oh, yeah. maybe maybe give you options. Yeah. It would have to be options because if you were to take that away, you can just hear the outcry right now. Yeah, I was oh. thinking as you were asking the question, I'm like, I can see very good arguments for both sides of that. Absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> and I can see people upset about both sides, and that's just kind of the nature of the beast. But, um, yeah. you know, I, you know, you can't go wrong with it, really. If you do it quality, it's going to be amazing no matter what you're doing with it. Oh, yeah. New smells, maybe, too. There you yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> um... Finally, let's move on to Living with the Seas. And, of course, the big change there is the integration of Finding Nemo. I think that the technology what, uh, behind Turtle Talk with Crush is pretty amazing. What can you tell us about, uh, about that attraction? Well, uh, Turtle Talk in and of itself is just, I mean, that, that could be its own pavilion. It's, the technology is outstanding. Yeah. Um, and the inter- integration of the Character 2.0 initiative with kids being actually able to talk to Crush and have him talk back, I think yeah. is just is just wonderful. I think that's kind of a lot of what Disney's all about mm-hmm. with the interaction. It's um, magical. Absolutely. And then as far as the former Sea Base Alpha itself, um, I think that's really cool. I think you could spend a whole lot of time there on your trip just looking at the fish in the aquarium and going and visiting the manatees up at the top. And We did. Yeah, so do we, and uh, a lot of photographs, um, and then a lot of blurry photographs. Yeah, well, <laughs> but um, and then the educational aspect, incorporating that with Nemo again, I think uh, a little bit of sugar helps the medicine go down. It's the edutainment, you know. Yeah. 
yeah, we may be having to learn about sharks and fish, but hey, it's Nemo and Bruce and Crush that are helping teach us. So I think, once again, I think that kind of makes it uh, a little easier yeah. rather than, oh, it, we're back at school type thing. Yeah, well said. Epcot always, I've, I've talked to even kids who have told me, well, I don't want to go to Epcot because I know that's where you learn things. But um, as you say, it's the edutainment. They do it so well. It's something that you can remember. It's fun. It's too bad that we can't all get an education by going to Disney World all the time. No kidding. <laughs> I think maybe that should be the next project, Disney yeah. University. <laughs> I think Epcot in its ori- in the original plans just may have uh, been going in that direction because I know there was going to be uh, 20,000 people living there, and I'm sure that would have been a, a big part of it. Right. That would have been amazing. Oh, yeah. And that and that's a good segue to the final question that I'd like to ask you guys, which is just overall. Um, I want to get your sense of Epcot. Uh, we touched on some of the uh, you know the challenges of trying to go ahead on a futuristic place like Epcot, but where do you think Epcot's going? Uh, what's in the future for Epcot, and uh, do you think it's going to be able to hold on to that futuristic aspect that uh, uh, can be challenging to do? Uh, I'll start with you, Mr. Dapps. I think that's really. It's always going to be contingent on whoever's leading the company and whoever's re- leading, you know, whoever decides what Epcot's going to be and what the vision for it is. If they keep sight on the vision, it'll always be moving forward and it'll always have new things. I think that's something that's always been an integral part of Disney, going back to Disneyland, of things always changing and trying new things and making new magic, because that's really what it all comes down to. Whether you're doing it with technology or you're doing it with pixie dust. Um, Disney's in the business of making magic and as long as they keep that focus and they keep going you know, with the experiences and the journeys and the stories they'll be able to always do that they might not have, you know, going back to the technology aspect of in- interventions, they might not always have the most up to date technological you know, gurus and, and bells and whistles, whatever but they will have that magic that makes people stop and go, wow and as long as they can make people stop and go, wow, Epcot's going to have a really good future. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. How about you, uh, Drew? Well, again, I don't. I think it will be very difficult to keep up with, you know, every piece of cutting-edge technology just because in our world today everything changes so fast. Um, but I think, again, as long as Epcot retains the optimism and the hope and the looking forward, mm-hmm. we might not be able to see clearly – in the distance what's coming in the future but as long as we can see that there is something there and maybe get the rough idea of what it might be i think epcot's going to be just fine as long mm-hmm. as it keeps that hope for a better tomorrow yes and that's that's key yeah that that's one thing i'm going to just really say that that nailed it for me is you guys uh your attitude with daps magic and seeing that that that's really the thrust of epcot it's it's not just about are they always on the cutting edge of technology but you know what's their attitude and and that's what you always pick up when you're at Epcot is it's just it's it's optimistic it's uh it is forward looking and um and it's why it's my favorite theme park for sure uh and guys it's been a real treat uh to have you take some of your time you might have otherwise spent in the parks um <laughs> uh and share with us today could you tell us again uh where is your website and anything that you might want to mention about Daps Magic it's www.dapsmagic.com, D-A-P-S. And uh, what do we want to mention about our website? 
Yeah, we've always got new things happening there. We're actually, we model ourselves a little bit after Disney of always trying to come up with something better and something new. And so we've always got new things going on. A lot of the new stuff right now is at Geek's Corner and there's a big link at the top of the page you can click on. A lot of and, new columns, exciting stuff going on over there. And we've got a lot of new videos going on um, with our YouTube page that you can find through that also. And um, did you want to add something? Well, we also have a weekly news show uh, the oh, DAPS yeah. News Network. Yeah, yeah. And if you go to dapsnewsnetwork.com, we actually have a wonderful uh, anchor named Egon Bonkers, who is of the uh, Muppet-like persuasion that <laughs> gives basically the week in review of everything that's gone on in the Disney company around the world. And we have weather for all the Disney theme parks around the world also. Egon Bonkers? Yeah. And would I assume one of you are the voice of that? Um. A guy named Dan is, actually. Okay. Oh, sweet. I have not seen that. Well, we'll definitely have to check it out. Definitely All right. worth checking out. Well, thanks again, guys, and uh, hope to have you on the show again. We'd thanks love for it. having us. We'd love it. Absolutely. Thank you.